The views and opinions expressed in this program are those of the guests and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the hosts and creators of this program. This is the Pet Buzz. This is the Pet Buzz. Freshly collected with news, celebrity pet gossip, and the latest pet trends. The Pet Buzz gives you the latest 411 on everything pet related. Everything pet related. Hosted by pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and Dr. Michael Fleck. And here's the Dynamic Pet Duo. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We are here at the Pet Buzz Studios in the beautiful Gulf Coast of Florida. And we are 61 stations strong and growing. And that's really exciting as we continue to grow our show. And of course, we want to welcome our newest station, WVKL AM 590 and WVKL FM, that's 97.3. We welcome all the Lexitonians to the show and encourage you to send your questions, comments, and pics of your dogs. You know, uh, here in Florida, we have a series, we've had a series of long rainy days, making me think that my pack of dogs need to be physically and mentally stimulated with the bad weather. And I'm sure that's a concern of yours too, uh, wherever you live when the bad weather comes. And although we have two large dogs and four small ones each dog definitely has uh, different interests and physical abilities so whether it's a puzzle game filled with meals veggies or low calorie treats by the way those are fun for cats too right dr fleck yes they are or we do an in-home uh, fetch game with soft toys or mini training sessions treadmills or utilizing indoor agility kits or either other training uh, methodology or equipment, it's really a good time to start planning now before the weather or even the environment, depending on where you live, proves to be difficult to go outside. I just keep my canine diversion kit nearby so that you're always ready for an indoor day or kind of a like a daycation, you know, when you can't get outside. But on that note, let's kick off the show with the weekly countdown. So in segment four, cat behaviorist Beth Edelman is joining us to talk about managing cats during the Thanksgiving holiday. Three in segment three, dog trainers Babette Haggerty and Amy Robinson will help us to rectify some of the doggy bad behaviors before the holidays. And in two, in this portion of the show, I'm dishing about celebrities and their pets, specifically those who have difficulty walking their dogs. And I talk about canine paw licking. That's something that everybody wants to know about. And in segment one, animal nutrition specialist at the University of Guelph in Ontario Veterinary College and Ontario Agricultural College have found that feeding cats one large meal a day may help control hunger better than feeding them several times a day. Now, this is exciting because so many people are believe that you, including myself, that you need to feed your cats multiple times a day or are have that big problem of a cat crying and whining and waking them up in the middle of the night to eat. And as a veterinarian, I'm really intrigued yeah. with this study. So joining us today to talk about this research and this study is Dr. Anna Kate Cheveler, an assistant professor in the Department of Animal Biosciences, University of Guelph. And she was previously was employed by Procter & Gamble and Mars Pet Care where she added to the knowledge of dog and cat nutrition through investigation in the areas of energy metabolism and nutrient budgets 
of dogs and cats. I don't know what that is, but it sounded impressive when it's I read her really bio. really impressive to <laughs> me. I read her bio. I tell you. I figured nutrient budgets. So, Dr. Sheveler, thank you for joining us on the Pet Buzz today. Uh, it's my pleasure. So, Dr. Sheveler, many of us cat owners have believed that feeding cats more than one time a day mimics the feline habit of hunting and feasting. But has cats eating multiple times a day been the subject of any research conducted by a university or pet food company? There's been, um, prior to the study that we did, there was some work done um, by my colleagues at the University of Illinois, and they did a couple of different studies, and they largely focused on the effects of feeding frequency on physical activity. And that's one part of the study that is really intriguing. So they found that the more times you feed a cat, the more physical activity they have. So we all just thought, oh, they're moving more, so they must be expending more energy, and this is probably valuable. But then when you go and you talk to behaviorists about it, sometimes animals expend more energy when they're looking for food rather than when they're full. And so we too found that the cats were fed four times a day, had more physical activity than the ones fed once. So that was an agreement. Okay, so how is, I guess, that research different from your research? Yeah, so we built on that premise. We included outcomes that others had with uh, frequency of feeding. So both Maria Godoy and Kelly Swanson had done um, studies looking at different frequencies of feeding versus once. Unified with that, that outcome of physical activity, we demonstrated that, but then we also added a meal response onto that. And when we do that, what we do is we measure how much of the nutrients appear in the blood after a meal. And we particularly also focused in on satiety hormones. So hormones that make cats more or less hungry. And in particular, that was where we teased this, this satiety question apart, where we found that the cat's fed once a day, um, they had a greater appearance of metabolites in their blood. They also had greater amounts of, of hormones that make the cat feel full after a meal. And then when they're fasted, they will appear hungrier. So right before they're fed, they have higher um, uh, concentrations of a hormone that, that stimulates feeding and cues hunger in essence. So that was really how we built on those previous studies. So if I'm feeding my cat, how do I feed my cat then? Uh, so it's a great question. And, and I'm a true believer that you really have to feed into your recommendations, how people operate in their house. So I we've had we've had some really nasty feedback about this study too, where people are really upset with us and say that, you know, if I try this, my cat's going to be really angry, is going to be really upset. He's going to be hungry all the time. And it, and it might not work for you. You might not be able to transition your cat to once a day feeding if that's a tool that you're looking to adopt. And I, I keep calling it a, a tool. Um, I think that it's most applicable if you're trying to control the weight of cats 
or if you're trying to help them lose weight. And so my colleague, Adroni Verbrugge, is focused on weight loss in cats and dogs. And this is another tool for her toolkit here. Now, how I would transition is what we've been recommending is however you're feeding today, that you slowly shift things to that once a day. So most people feed twice a day. And what we've told them is slowly put more food in one meal while you take it away from the other until you're presenting food at one time per day. Is it the same volume that you would normally feed twice a day? You feed once a day? Exactly. So we fed these cats exactly the same amount of food, exactly the same amount of calories. And they had fundamental metabolic differences and hormonal differences, whether they were fed once or four times a day. Very interesting. Yeah, it's, uh, it's great. So I hope you'll come back and, and hang with us. Totally. This was fun anytime and uh, love to do this and, and get our research out so more people can think about the health and well-being of cats. And this dogs. is intriguing enough because cat owners that will be listening will say, wow, that means I only really do have to feed once a day. And then they got to make the adjustment. Well, they also have to, you know, figure out what their cat needs. I mean, make the adjustment, but make sure it's satiated too. Like it has enough food. Yeah, usually not a problem. Yeah. Right. <laughs> okay. We will let you go. Great. Thanks, guys. Take care. Well, that was Dr. Anna K. Shoveler, an assistant professor in the Department of Animal Biosciences, University of Guelph, talking about the benefits of feeding cats one large meal a day, which may help control feline hunger and contribute to better pet health or cat health. Well, up next, the celebrity pet dish and flex facts. You don't want to miss this. You are listening to The Pet Buzz with pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. We would love to communicate with you via social media. Use The Pet Buzz social media channels on Twitter and Facebook to make a comment or ask a question. Post a picture of your pet on Instagram and tell us about his or her unique personality. You can also write to us at team at thepetbuzz.com. For more information about our show, our guests, and buzzworthy freebies, visit us at thepetbuzz.com. When your doctor recommended omega fatty acids as a daily supplement, he told you that they promoted better heart, brain, skin, joint, and immune system health. Well, doesn't it make sense for your pet to have the same health benefits? EpiPet Whole Fish Treat, an all-natural smoked fish supplement, is 100% bioavailable, bringing your pets the nutrients they need to keep them healthy and happy. We first heard about EpiPet at our local rescue shelter where our family adopted Lucy, a 10-year-old yellow lab. She was in tough shape, but we noticed within just a few days how soft and thick her coat was getting. She has more energy now, loves to chase her favorite tennis ball, and most importantly, how happy and healthy Lucy is now. We could not be happier. Thanks, EpiPet. To order better pet health for your dog or cat, just visit epi-pet.com. That's epi-pet.com. Teva Pet knows there's a lot in your life that you worry about. We want to make sure your pet's flea and tick protection isn't one of them. 
Teva Pet offers vet quality flea and tick protection that has the same active ingredients as leading brands like Canine Advantix 2 and Frontline Plus, but that cost much less, which means you can give your pet total flea protection worry-free. And the best part is you can get Teva Pet flea and tick topicals delivered right to your door when you shop on TevaPet.com. Teva Pet, helping you and your pet live your best life. Thank you so much for joining the Pet Buzz. This show is hosted by the Pet Dynamic Duo. I'm pet trendologist Charlotte Reed. And I'm veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. You know, walking dogs can be difficult, especially if you have so many of them like me. But I, I got a hoot. I got a great laugh out of this. In a recent TMZ video, it revealed that even celebrities have a difficult time walking their dogs. Well, it seems the pop star couple of Camila Caballo and Sean Menendez were attempting to walk her pooches in Camila's Miami neighborhood, where the two are currently quarantining together well they had such a difficult walk time walking camila's three dogs so while camila was handling her shih tzu leo and a younger relative was dealing with her long-haired chihuahua sean was attempting to walk camila's black german shepherd thunder while the dogs were barking and circling and jumping um, as camila and co tried to keep them in line eventually we found out what the trigger was it was another dog being walked by their owners but as you watch the video more chaos ensues including chasing the dogs that got away either way both stars need a packed dog walking lesson so watch the video on our social media channels laugh but no this has probably happened to you okay dr fleck now it's time for flex facts what everyone's been waiting for welcome to just the facts just the facts fact or fiction just the facts ma'am you want answers i want the truth it's gonna take long you got the time So, Dr. Fleck, what are we going to talk about today? Paw licking. Okay. Let's talk about paw licking. You know, as with other dog behaviors, because there's a lot of dog behaviors, uh, there can be really several reasons why you lead to dog paw licking. These could include, but not limited to, injuries, skin problems, environmental uh, issues, parasites, food allergies, and don't forget the behavior of boredom and anxiety. But paw licking can be normal. I mean, some dogs lick their paws, right? Just like normal hair shedding. And occasionally paw licking is normal for dogs as part of their self-grooming process, especially when they come inside after walking on dirty or sandy grounds outside. But if your dog frequently and intensively licks his paw, you should assume that there's probably something wrong. Okay, so can you talk about injuries which cause paw licking or chewing? Yeah, if the, if the licking begins very suddenly and is focused in one paw, you want to examine the paw, but, but carefully remember if it does hurt, that maybe the, the pet might respond negatively to you. So if it, if it hurts too much, really don't examine the paw. But if you can't examine the paw, kind of look for things like if there's cuts, or if the nail is torn, or if there might be a little growth, or perhaps a stone or thorn, or if you're in the north in the ice storms, maybe an ice ball stuck in between the pads. So look closely at the webbing in between the toes 
and at the top of the feet. So your dog may be irritating his paw by stepping on something sharp, walking on salted or hot sidewalks, being stung by a bee, or getting a blister. Additionally, the pet may be experiencing pain due to arthritis. Think about that. Or other foot or leg conditions. Even if the pain is somewhere else in the body, commonly referred to as referred pain, licking may be continuous. And some of these problems can be relieved by just simple first aid. But if, it's, if it really is harmful, don't wait. Immediately take it to your veterinarian. Have them make a diagnosis and a treatment protocol for you. Okay. What about dermatitis? Very common. Very common. If the pad, if the paw pads and feet appear normal, the licking could be due to skin conditions. We call that a dermatitis, which often is the result of bacterial problems, allergies, or maybe even food sensitivities or allergies. Your dog could develop dermatitis by being allergic to chemicals used in your yard, de-icing products, or certain types of grass or weeds. As a treatment protocol, I always recommend keeping a topical spray or wipes right by the door when the dog is returning from outside. That will always help to remove any kind of substance that might be irritating to the paw. Well, can paw licking also result from parasites? Yes. Insects like fleas, ticks, spiders, or maybe mange can cause the paws to become very itchy. So if your veterinarian can recommend treatment to eliminate these parasites, visit with that veterinarian as soon as possible. Well, now what about food allergies as a trigger? Although overplayed by the social media, these can have a cause for itchy paws. And these type of allergies are really kind of difficult to pinpoint. You may suggest a special diet or elimination of certain ingredients in your dog foods to try to eliminate this problem. Okay, we've got about 30 seconds left. What about behavioral problems? Well, this is a question really we should be asking you because you're an expert in that area. How would you relieve the boredom problems for a, a pet? Well, you know, dogs suffer a lot of times from boredom or behavioral problems and anxiety. And as a result, they develop sometimes compulsive behaviors, which, of course, can include paw licking. So to alleviate boredom, try taking your dog for more walks or runs or do a lot of playtime with, you know, you and other dogs kind of to use up that mental and physical energy. Puzzle toys are great. They're also safe. I talked about that, mm -hmm. you know, in terms of the in our first segment. Now, if you think your dog is suffering from anxiety, such as fear of noises or separation, uh, that may be causing him to lick his paws. And there's a number of ways to attempt to relieve the anxiety. I always suggest uh, trying to find a good animal behaviorist, not just a dog trainer, but a behaviorist. A good behaviorist can also suggest a variety of options to try. Um, so I think those are some of the things. And also maybe he might need to see his veterinarian in conjunction with a course of treatment by behaviorist to stop that paw licking. Yeah, I think just in, in, to summarize this, you could just say that if, the, if it's an intense licking, don't wait around. Make an appointment with your veterinarian to find out if this is a medical problem or whether it's a psychosomatic problem. Lastly, anything else? 
That's all the Flex Facts for this week. Great advice for a common occurrence, something that people always want to know about. Absolutely. Paw licking. Well, stick around. More of the pet buzz very soon. I bet you can't wait for my likey of the week. Is Charlotte Reed, and research shows walking at least a half an hour every day can reduce a person's risk for heart disease and other serious illnesses. So regular walking is a great way to live a long and happy life. For most dogs, an hour of physical activity each day is necessary and will help them lead healthier lives free of disease. Walking a dog does not only have a physical benefit, there are plenty of psychological benefits for both the dog and the owner. There are so many smells, sights, and sounds in the outdoors that a dog is mentally stimulated every time he or she walks out the front door. Taking a dog on a walk will also help to solidify the strong bond between you and your animal. Give your dog some positive attention by doing what he or she loves. Take your dog out for a neighborhood walk today. What would you do with two and a half more years with your dog? Two and a half more years of fetch, of walks, of love. Studies show that overweight dogs live two and a half years less on average than dogs at a healthy weight. But Slim Paws is here to help. Veterinarian recommended weight loss in one daily chew for your dog. Slim Paws, for the long, healthy life of your dog. Know what? What? Since I got adopted, I've learned a lot about these humans. Uh, I know. I mean, check out these two. It's Flirt City over here. Yeah, I noticed that. It looks like my human is definitely into your human. Oh, look! I think she's getting his number. Nice. Your human's got some sweet moves. Takes after his dog. <laughs> oh, look, they're doing that thing where they put their arms around each other. She kicked up a leg. It's like in the movies. That's awesome. Looks like we're going to be hanging out a little bit more. A person is the best thing to happen to a shelter pet. Be that person. Adopt. Hey, welcome back. You are listening to the Pet Buzz, the best in pet talk radio. I'm veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. And I'm pet trendologist Charlotte Reed. That's the way. That's the way I like it. It's genius. I like it. I love it so much. I like it. It's to die for. I like it. So I'm liking this. Now, this is all politics aside with the election of Joe Biden. We are going to have more dogs in the White House again. President-elect Joe Biden and his wife, Jill Biden, will be living at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue with their two German shepherds, Champ, who's 12, and Major, who's two. The news has been overwhelmingly psyched with dog owners like on social media really supporting these two dogs living at the White House, especially since one of them was adopted. So it turns out a decade ago, Joe Biden purchased Champ from a breeder in Pennsylvania, and that move was criticized by a lot of animal rights activists. But as we always say, you can get your dog anywhere you choose, right? Absolutely. Okay, well, 
the Bidens adopted major in 2018 from the Delaware Humane Association. And that was big news. So now major will be in January on January 20th. He will make history as the first shelter dog to take up residence in the White House. Wow. That's always exciting. I might even have to apply for a White House correspondence pass for that one. Got to see more dogs in the White House. We'd love that. You know, with the holidays upon us, we might need to examine our pets' good behavior, our pets' good manners and genteel behavior. I think that's more of an appropriate term. Absolutely, it's an appropriate term. So you have to ask yourself, is she or he pet prepared to behave accordingly with all your family and friends around? And all, of course, the favorite food that's going to be the aroma all Mm. through your house. Okay, well, anyway, our next guest will give us some advice about how to pet prep our pets, especially since so many of us adopted pets during this whole COVID-19 crisis. So pet prep for the holidays. Yeah, yeah. Our next guests are two of our favorite dog trainers, Babette Haggerty and Amy Robinson. Hello, ladies, and welcome to the Pet Buzz today. Morning. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Dr. Flex. Thanks, Char. So, Amy... Do we still have time to prepare our pets for the holidays and can we get them to behave accordingly for the holidays? We do have time. Dogs are very quick learners, especially if there is some benefit in it for them. Ooh, I like that. Does, I do that, mean, does that mean they're going to be getting some snacks? <laughs> it doesn't have to be snacks. You can definitely reward with play, but it's got to be something that the dog desires and values more than whatever he's begging for. Okay. That's, I mean, that's true. I mean, begging is a big thing. It truly makes sense. Yeah, without a doubt. Okay. So, um, Babette, can you give us a few ideas about how to deal with the dog that likes to jump on guests or really kind of invade their personal space? I was reading something the other day, and it was about a dog who literally would go right to the guest crotch. (laughs) So I consider that, you know, invading your personal space. Mm. Absolutely. It can be a stressful time for us uh, because we have guests coming, we're cooking, we're, we're trying to balance everything. And now the dog is not getting the, the amount of attention they're used to getting. So they're a little bit pent up. They're a little bit nervous. They're a little bit anxious. So the best way really to prepare the dog is to teach the dog to sit and stay when guests come in to go to their bed, teach their dog to lay down and stay in their bed for 30 minutes at a time, no matter matter who is coming into that house. They need to know when that doorbell rings, they go straight to the bed and they hang out there with their toys, their Kong toy filled with peanut butter or whatever they like the best. Now, should we be doing setups with them for the time being, like (laughs) practicing with our our immediate family members? Absolutely, I think that's a great idea. You definitely want to just put five to seven minutes a day into that now. I mean, it's still early enough. You still have a few weeks. And if you work your dog every day for about five to seven minutes, just teaching the dog that when the bell rings, you go to your bed and you stay there and teach the dog to walk next to you and greet people properly without sniffing their crotch, without jumping on them, without pawing at them. They will certainly get it by Thanksgiving Day. Yeah. I mean, and now we have so much time because so many of us are still not working. So we could probably do 10 to 15 minutes a day. Right, Dr. Fleck? I'm still working. Well, you are. I, mean, <laughs> I am too. I'm working a lot. Uh, you are. You, you have to. Okay. So you had a question. Well, I think, first of all, if you've just joined us, we're talking with some great advice from Babette Haggerty and Amy Robinson about prepping our dogs for the holidays. You know, they have some 
unpleasant doggy behavior. We want to make sure we correct that. Yeah. So let me ask you, Amy. We love those family dinners, but many of us know that our Fidos love it too. Yes. So if we have time, and can you give us advice about how to curtail that awful behavior? I think it's unrealistic to expect your guests to train your dog. Like a lot of people will say, oh, just ignore him, just ignore him. But I think it's becoming on the um, owner to manage the dog properly, which means you're calling that dog to come to you and sit and stay by your side. You can pet him as a reward. You can give him a little something to chew on. But the management falls to the owner. I'm a big believer in like redirecting bad behavior to something good. Come back to me is always a good thing, right? So I'm, I use the come command a lot for redirecting naughty behavior. And then I might ask for a downstay. But I'm not going to insist that the dog be totally still throughout an hour and a half meal. Well, we don't have that problem, do we? <laughs> no. We have the problem of Dr. Fleck throwing the cheese, <laughs> Cheez-Its all over the floor, right? Well, more than that Don't now. do as I uh, say. Absolutely. Yeah, that's right. his philosophy. Do as I say, not as I do. Exactly, exactly. Wow. Can you imagine all those clients seven days a week? Yeah, if they, throwing knew, if they knew what their veterinarian was. Shoot, oh, throwing Cheez-Its on the floor. Oh, we're national. What did I say? Yeah, I mean, mm. throwing the Cheez-Its on the floor, they would have like, you know, lot, they would be making more money. Well, it's fun to watch them go get them, you know, the cheese for it. That's, okay. that's not so crazy because actually you can call your dog to come to you and then say, go find it and toss something five feet away from the dinner table. So the dog sees his reward as being away from the dinner table. That was exactly my point of doing what ah. I'm doing. Thank you. That's the plan. Babette, Babette, two great minds. Who kind of think like, <laughs> okay, <laughs> last question for you, Babette. So we need some of your great counsel about managing the interaction between kids and dogs during the holidays. Because, you know, really one of the things that we love over the years is those fond memories of the holidays when we're kids. But when you have dogs or, or other pets together, you kind of have to manage that interaction, especially if you have your brother, Jim, and you know his kids are out of control. So, and you're a mom too. So how, talk about that. Talk about managing that behavior. Yeah, I have, you know, my kids are grown, but, you know, I brought them home to a Roddy, a German Shepherd, and a host of other dogs. So crates were my best friend when my kids were younger. You know, it's great because you have senile Aunt Sally who lets the dog out, and two hours later, nobody knows where the dog is, and, you know, he was last seen running down the street oh, uh, looking for somebody else's Thanksgiving dinner. So, you know, I think for you know, a busy household when you have a lot of people going in and out. I tell my owners, just keep the dog in the crate, give them their favorite toys. It's a place for them to relax. Well, the other thing about that, too, is that crates are not a punishment. No, it's absolutely. actually a security for so many of them. Yeah. Yeah. They just love to run in the crates and they feel safe. I mean, Amy knows because you, you and I have talked about this, Amy. It could be a, a fun, cozy, comfortable place. And like you said, it doesn't have to be a punishment. Right, Amy? Yeah, and one of my favorite games to play with the crate is you hold your dog back, either by the collar if he's big or wrap an arm around him if he's smaller, and you toss a few treats and you tell him, stay, toss a few treats to the back, something really tasty, and then you say, okay, and let him fly in there. So you're, you're building up desire for him to get in there and get his reward. I love that. Well, all I know is, is that I'm glad we're talking about Thanksgiving because I'm getting hungry. 
I just can't wait. <laughs> turkey. I like turkey one day a year. I got some cheeses for you, doctor. Yeah, and we're so <laughs> glad that Amy and Babette that you joined us today. Thanks Thank so much for having us. Um, great advice from two lovely ladies. And to learn more about Babette Haggerty, visit HaggertyDog.com. It doesn't mean just because she's in New Jersey, you can't reach out. <laughs> and then, of course, to learn more about Amy Robinson, it's AmyRobinsonDogExpert.com. Up next, Beth Edelman is back and giving great advice about managing cats during the Thanksgiving holiday. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after the commercial break. You are listening to The Pet Buzz with pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. We would love to communicate with you via social media. Use The Pet Buzz social media channels on Twitter and Facebook to make a comment or ask a question. Post a picture of your pet on Instagram and tell us about his or her unique personality. You can also write to us at team at thepetbuzz.com. For more information about our show, our guests, and buzzworthy freebies, visit us at thepetbuzz.com. Does your pet have dry, flaky, and itchy skin? Do you find yourself visiting the veterinarian repeatedly because Fido or Fluffy has skin allergies or ear infections? EpiPet to the rescue. Developed by a veterinarian, EpiPet is a revolutionary, high-performance skin and ear care product line made with the finest natural ingredients. EpiPet, for you and your pet, means better pet health. For more information, visit epi-pet.com. I'm petrinologist Charlotte Reed. And I'm veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. We are urban, suburban, and, and country. country. Let's kick off this segment with global pet news. You know, I found this particularly interesting. So across the country, veterinarians and other researching are scouring the animal kingdom for signs of the virus that caused COVID-19. So believe this, at least 2,000 animals in the U.S. have been tested for coronavirus since the pandemic began. That's according to federal records. So cats and dogs that were exposed to sick owners represent most of the animals tested um, and 80% of the positive cases found. But this is what was really interesting. A lot of scientists have cast a wide net investigating other animals that could be at risk. So, for example, in states like California and Florida, researchers have tested unexpected critters like dolphins, armadillos and anteaters. Can you believe that? Mm -hmm. Anteaters. And as you know and heard from our guest over the last few months, there's limited evidence that animals are transmitting the virus to people, but veterinarians want to emphasize that pet owners really appear to be in no danger from their furry companions and should not really worry, but continue to love and care for their animals. But scientists say continued testing is one way to remain vigilant in the face of the previously unknown pathogen. And as a scientist, you agree, of course. Absolutely. Okay. So according to experts, coronavirus as a family, infect a lot of species, mostly mammals. So check out this list of creatures that have been tested for COVID-19. So in Florida, 22 animals have been tested as early as this month. So three wild dolphins, two civets, two colored leopards, a gorilla and an orangutan, an alpaca and a baby bush. I had no idea what a baby bush is. I don't either. It's a small saucer-eyed primate that spends most of their time living in trees. Okay. In California, 29 animals have been tested by the end of September, including a meerkat, 
a monkey and a Kodamundi, a member of the raccoon family. Have you ever heard of a Kodamundi? No. Okay. Well, and we're going to put those pictures up of these unusual animals since many of us have never seen. In Seattle, a plan to test orcas or killer whales in Puget Sound was called off at the last minute because guess why? Mm. One member got COVID-19 mm. and, and of course the team had to be quarantined. Unfortunately, the group missed its September window to locate the animals and obtain breath and fecal samples. And we had uh, Dr. Giles on last week with her poop sniffing. Mm. Remember, that was a great segment. Well, I just think it's going to be interesting that they're going to start doing these testings now. And remember when parvovirus hit in the 80s, when it hit, parvo is always associated with the coronavirus. So for the last 40 years, the DHLPP, the distempered parvo, also included the coronavirus as part of the vaccine. They just eliminated the coronavirus over the last couple of years. I kind of wonder if there's going to be any interference from the coronavirus being there over this last period of time with the pets that they're going to be testing for, the canines, when the coronavirus was always given as part of the vaccine. Hmm, that's interesting. We probably need to find it out. Ask an expert. It'll be interesting. Hey, Charlotte, you know, Thanksgiving is just around the corner. And if you're planning a Thanksgiving get together at your home, you'll want to take necessary precautions to keep your cat safe during that celebration. You know, and I'm glad that you talked about that because so many times at Thanksgiving, we talk about dogs right. and we don't talk about cats. Well, anyway, joining us today is certified cat behaviorist and author, Beth Edelman. Beth is a friend of mine, a friend of the show, and she's one of my fantastic mentors that I have used for the last few years since getting to know her and working with her. So big love to you, Beth. So glad you're here. And I'm glad that you could join us for this Thanksgiving episode in the best of Pet Talk Radio, of course, right, Dr. Fleck? Absolutely. The Pet Buzz. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me here. I'm so happy to talk to you about Thanksgiving. We have a few questions for you that I think are going to be so great for our listening audience. Well, you know, friends, we're going to have friends and family over, and I'm sure you are too. So why is it important to remind guests that you have a cat before they visit? So it's important to let people know that you have a cat before they visit so they can let you know if they're allergic or if they're afraid of cats or just kind of plan some people don't want to necessarily wear black pants because of cat hair, whatever their reasons might be for their feelings about cats, or they might say, oh my God, if you have a cat, I so want to be at your house. That could be the other way that it goes. So it's important to remind people that you have a cat just so that they can be ready for it. You know, I think that's a good point because we, I think we don't realize that six times many people are allergic to cats than dogs. Hmm. So, you know, Thanksgiving is... A foodie's delight with every member of the family having their favorite food. I know that's the way it is at my house. It was growing up. Is is that the same way for you, Dr. Fleck? Always is. Yeah. So, you know, and now we consider pets part of our family. We have for the last umpteen years, 30 or 40 years. So even before that, for some people, you know, I think one of the questions is people want to share that holiday meal with their pet. So is that a possibility? What are some of the items that maybe they can or cannot have? Well, I think it certainly is a possibility. I, I share Thanksgiving with my pets. So um, it's always a good idea to avoid onions, raisins, chocolate. Dr. Fleck, you probably know other things that cats shouldn't eat. Those are the big ones, though. Onions, raisins, chocolate, coffee, alcohol. Alcohol, very important. 
Cats like meat and they like buttery things. So for instance, when we have pie, my cats really love the pie crust. A lot of sugar and uh, flour is not good for them, but a tiny, tiny little bit, you know, is really okay. It's important also to, when I feed my cats holiday food, I put it in a dish on the floor because I want to encourage them to come up on the table and graze. And of course, with any kind of poultry, you want to make sure that you've pulled all the bones out before you uh, offer it to your cat, because cooked poultry bones can be very, very dangerous. With those caveats, I think a little bit of people food is, is not a terrible thing for cats. And if they enjoy it, why not? I think that's why this is so good, right, Dr. Fleck, because it it starts ha- having these things, having Beth on, having other experts on ahead of the holidays kind of helps people prepare and adjust their behavior. Right. And to think about it before that day. Okay. You had a stressful question. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you know, Thanksgiving, I guess you would say, is out of the regular routine. So you got all these people coming. So How do we manage our kitty stress? Well, you know, it depends on your cat. Some cats really freak out when there's a lot of people in the house. And this is especially now because we've all been having fewer visitors in general. If your cat is the sort of cat who really freaks out, the sort of cat who either hides anyway or who tends to get aggressive around humans that they don't know because, and that kind of aggression is typically fear. If your cat is that kind of cat, It's totally okay to put your cat in a room by himself or herself. You want to make sure that in that room there's a litter box, there's a water dish, there's a scratching post, there's some toys, maybe a little bit of a special treat, right? So your cat has all kinds of fun things and maybe some catnip. And put the cat in a room by himself. That's okay. If your cat really freaks out when you have visitors, it's okay for your cat to be by themselves. It's because that's probably what they prefer. And if you sort of have the kind of cat who's hiding under the bed anyway, if you close the door and it's quieter, they actually feel safer. So that's the first thing. If your cat freaks out, let him be by himself. It's okay. That's smart thinking. Well, we are running out of time, so. So we really want to thank you, Beth, for joining us again today. Of course, you're, it's always a pleasure having you with always. us. Always. And that information was so helpful for our visitors. It's such a pleasure for me to be here. I love being with you guys. And I love the fact that you're getting great information about cats out there. Okay, everybody, that's a wrap. It's always too soon to wrap the show. We're done? I know, I know, we're done. So before we go, we want to give you a preview of next week's show. So next week, we're going to talk about the National Dog Show, which will air on Thanksgiving Day holiday dangers as well as black friday pet shopping strategies and how to get the best pet picks for santa COVID has changed a lot of things oh my hasn't it special thanks to our guests beth edelman babette haggerty amy robinson and dr anna kate Shoveler. love that name shovel i know it's great and of course we always have to thank our sponsors the animal medical center and of of course, EpiPet, making better skin, coat, and ear care products for healthier pets everywhere. And if you go to the EpiPet website, that's E-P-I-P-E-T, you're going to be able to get a 25% discount on all the products. Just put in the pet buzz code when you go to check out. And if you have any questions, write to us at teamatthepetbuzz.com. 
we'll cover it next week on our show. Yeah. And if you've missed any portion of the show, visit our social media channels as well as your favorite streaming channels and listen to the podcast on Monday morning. And most importantly, remember, we're here each week to help you take better care of your pets. Peace out and pet love. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Pet Buzz. The Pet Buzz is hosted by the dynamic pet duo, pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and Dr. Michael Fleck. Tune in each week for the latest 411 on everything pet related. Visit our website at www.thepetbuzz.com. Learn more about us, the show, and our guests.